0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton.
1: And now, from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Knowledge, advice, and insight into starting, building, and managing a small business. Here is your host, Lauren Feldman.
0: Welcome to Mind Your Business on Sirius XM's business radio powered by the Wharton School. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm the senior editor of Entrepreneurship at Forbes. As usual today, we're not going to tell you how to run your business. The show is about ideas and strategies and conversations, and we want to have those conversations with you. If there's something you've been struggling with, call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And as always, let me emphasize, this is a safe space for business owners. If you're struggling with something, someone listening to this show is probably struggling with it too. So in other words, there are no stupid questions. We do have a special show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about buying and selling businesses and especially about uh, conflict resolution. If you run a business, you're going to have some conflicts. The key, of course, is to try to keep them to a minimum, to keep them from raging out of control and turning into expensive litigation. Uh, of course, that's easier said than done. Uh, back with us in the, in the studio today is a guy who's had a few conflicts in his time, um, someone who's been here before, Cliff Oxford, founder of the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs. Welcome back to the show, Cliff. Thanks, Lawrence. Great to be back. Last time we discussed making
2: sausage, and we're, <laughs> we're back again today discussing that in a different kind of, way. Yeah, a
0: different kind of sausage. <laughs> a yeah. different kind of sausage. Cliff, you seem like such a nice guy. <laughs> Why have you had conflicts? <laughs> uh, well,
2: I mean, fortunately, uh, I guess my conflicts uh, to good relationships are maybe a thousand to one, and I'm glad to keep it that way. But uh, they do come up, and uh, you know, we see it even at the national level now with our, with our president. <laughs> Who's got some? That's uh, a different story. Uh,
3: uh, th- maybe the same <laughs> story. Maybe the same story. So you're, um, so you're comparing yourself but,
2: to the president? The, yeah, absolutely. But um, <laughs> Kim Jong Un too. So, uh, but you know, you, you hear all these people talk about entrepreneurs bring your passion. Whatever you do, bring your passion. Well, passion uh, can go both ways. And entrepreneurs, you know, as you well know, they're usually into business to prove a point. And it takes a lot of fuel to do that. So when you get into disagreements, um, I say turn them into deals, not into destruction. And, and quite frankly, in in my career, I've had very few that turned into destruction. Maybe one or two, but very few that that turned into destruction. At the same time, you know, when I was going to write for you at the New York Times, I had a local uh, business editor there tell me if you go take that job. Um, we're not going. We're not going to sponsor you anymore, you know. I, and I sponsor the, the Oxford. Center. Yeah, sp- sponsor. And he says you. You can't take that job because I was going to write for them, and then we were in a sponsorship. And you know that was a time where you had to stand by. You know, well, I'm not going to be writing for you anymore. I'm not going to be. Uh, you're not going to be my sponsor anymore. So we had. You had there's times to stand firm, but for the most of the time, you know, in these disagreements. Uh, and I happen to see it a lot with 552 entrepreneurs in our portfolio.
0: All of them, That's the Oxford Center. That's you, the Oxford Center. It, it's kind of a support group for fast-growth entrepreneurs. Thank you. you. meet regularly. You I've know, been to many of your meetings. You you attract entrepreneurs from around the country. Um, we many had of one them yesterday really at impressive. Porsche Center. We had one
2: yesterday at Porsche in Center. Atlanta. And had you know, probably 100 of the fastest entrepreneurs in the country there. And you're talking about these are people that are really – Moving the market, they're hiring, they're you know, and they're on all cylinders, so they're full of passion. And I, you know, mine is minor compared to what I get the calls I get during the week, and sometimes it's even within the on their own staff between the number two and number one, and it can be external. But there's a you know, believe it. There, there's a pretty big garden there that can where it can happen because of the pace, the passion. And just the the fuel that these people are on to
0: make these businesses go. the part of the philosophy is uh, not to ask for permission. It's <laughs> to ask for forgiveness if necessary afterwards. Uh, uh, that's you know that's how people build businesses, and that's also how you get into conflict.
2: That's how you get into conflict. It's also you know, we don't read contracts fully, which we should read contracts fully. We can win. Sort of like
0: the, uh, the the terms of agreement on you turn <laughs> on a website. Agree-
2: yeah. So, uh, so uh, it's actually a fertile field for conflict. Um, but we are doing a lot of training and a lot of uh, that say, hey, and this is the way you appeal to entrepreneurs. You don't appeal to entrepreneurs by saying give it up your principle, just just give in because they the because the, Lauren, as you know, the one thing we tell entrepreneurs don't ever quit. Don't ever give in. And so ever ever just never you know Winston Churchill said that
0: never ever give in. Yeah. Nah, he gets misquoted sometimes <laughs> there wasn't <an> unless there. <laughs> uh, don't ever quit. Sometimes but you throw a good money after a bad. There and, is, but you got
2: to go in with the mindset you're not going to quit for right. sure because there going to be plenty of times to do that. Unless
0: so, it's litigation. <laughs> yeah. that's right? a
2: good that's a really good time to do it but even bigger picture how can we make turn this into a deal? You know, we're here in Philadelphia, right over in Chicago. Who was it? Emmanuel said, who was president? Uh, Obama's chief of staff said, never waste a crisis. Um, don't ever waste a disagreement. Let's not waste a disagreement. Let's find a way how we can make this, uh, uh, you know, a win-win-win. Let's get back
0: to win-win-win. So let's well, not waste a disagreement. Uh That kind of thing is so much easier to say than to do. Uh, But thankfully, you have uh, volunteered to kind of walk us through uh, a case study example of this here, of of how you can do that. And uh, it's an example where you you did get into a conflict. It actually led to litigation, uh, but it has kind of a surprise ending uh, that we will get to. Uh, let me remind you, we're at one eight four four Wharton. If you have a question or a comment, please call us at one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. But Cliff, tell us a little bit about uh, how you well, got into this dispute. It involved a lawyer. It involved selling, buying, and selling businesses, I believe, and uh, and your agreement for what you would pay this lawyer is what well, led to the dispute. Correct? Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Uh, and
2: and this person is, is an attorney that I knew very well, and we have somewhat of the same background. We're both on the debate teams in college, the same debate, <laughs> uh, the same school. That might have been the first problem. <laughs> that might have been a pretty <laughs> big indicator right there. Uh, but um, so, Carrie's Kerry, quite an entrepreneur. Carrie Ictor, a lawyer Kerry in, Hector, Atlanta. in Atlanta. Carrie and, and, and I were talking about flat fee arrangements on MA deals. This was five years ago. We were talking about, hey,
0: because we were reinventing how entrepreneurs sell their companies. You were trying to figure out a way for uh, businesses to know what it was going to cost, cost them. Cost them to, uh,
2: when they go to sale, what's going to be the legal bill? Because if you ever want to get any entrepreneur up in arms, ask them about the legal bill after a sale. So I was trying to do that, not just for me, but for all entrepreneurs and saying, let's have a set rate. Because there's an incentive there now to get the deal done sooner which benefits the entrepreneur. Kerry Kerry is quite entrepreneurial and he and I started talking about that and we were looking at doing a deal on that. And then we had our own matter going on some legal strategy we were doing and I was thinking that fixed rate carried over to what we were doing. That other matter was actually litigation. It was right? it was not it was it was on legal strategy I think Kerry would agree. It was on legal strategy. So it was but the bigger, the big thing here is, I was entrepreneurs. We can extrapolate really easily, like very quickly. Like if I got this deal with you, that means it's also good for this deal. And it was on a flat rate. And now, confessions and the reason I want to have this show today is all we're trying to do is help entrepreneurs. I mean, Carrie and I are friends now so you know hey gave away t- the, hate, the ending, give away Spoiler the ending alert. But, <laughs> but the big thing here is how can other entrepreneurs not make the mistakes that we make that's a big part of the oxford center that's why we exist you know to help elevate them and help make sure they don't fall in a pothole so you you go to that and
0: and you know what well, um, wait, wait I, let, me, let me stop you there. Before you guys join hands and start singing "Kumbaya," <laughs> uh, let's go through what actually happened. Because you actually got into litigation. There yeah, yeah, um, that is true. You had a dispute uh, no, the, about the, the fees. local
2: newspaper wrote a big story on it. Oxford Center, and that was lovely. And the the Daily Report.
0: Tell us what you were thinking back then. What was that? You thought well, it was a flat fee. Well, you know, and
2: I, I think, and, you know, of course, Kerry, I have a lot to say about this. I, I probably was extrapolating. Um, our one deal to the next deal. Was this an example
0: where you didn't read that contract carefully I, enough?
2: I, I think that's a great example of it. Uh, I think on a contract basis, Kerry is totally in the right. On a philosophical basis, uh, you know, I'm doing deals all the time. And, I, now, and the thing about it is I don't regret that, Lauren, because 99% of the time everything works out with that style.
0: I can't change my whole style. What style style are you referring to? What do you mean by that? You know,
2: understanding um, that if we're talking about this deal and we're doing something else, it it, it applies to that. And I I mostly deal with entrepreneurs, and that's just the way we do it. You know, in fact, going back to President Trump, a lot of times the media is beating him up on. uh, Let's 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 stick with one dispute at a a time. Okay, Uh, (laughs) but a lot of this is extrapolation of thinking. And looking for a win-win-win, everything comes back around. And I think when you're dealing with a highly skilled attorney, as Kerry is, uh, that that probably was not good
0: thinking. How did you let it get to the point where it became a, 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 a matter of litigation, where well, you're fighting over well, the Well, there, there was several things. It, it seems like that's the point where something – some cooler heads should have prevailed at that point before you're actually
2: because I was spending so money to
0: litigate against your you know, lawyer. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, it was uh, it, it's passion. It's thinking that you're right. A little bit of ego. Ego. I'm going to win. You know, putting winning over. And and the bad, the really sad news is, probably if we hadn't have been involved in that, Carrie and I would have done seven or eight other deals. <laughs>
0: That's you know. Well, you're uh, also. I'm not sure what stage you were building your business, but you know, it, it had to take your focus off the ball. Uh, it does. But you not know to mention the money, you know,
2: but and here's the, the, the thing. I was making a big push with everybody about the total M and A process being polluted. It's got outstanding. It's got uh, you know the, the legal fees are crazy. The accounting fees are crazy. Investment banking fees are. Crazy. It's all tilted against the entrepreneur. So was I not going to stand by my principle of flat fees because. And wrongly or rightly, I saw it bleeding over to that, over to the whole M&A process that I was reforming. So in your mind, this wasn't just a fight over one matter, no, no, it was no, a fight oh, no, over... No no, 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 This would have been just a fight with... This was go. a fight over the principle this- of
0: trying to get a flat fee for trying entrepreneurs. Trying to get
2: a flat fee and trying to reform the whole M&A process, which I will go on to say, we get done all the time now. You know We get flat fees. We went through that. And... You know, maybe we got involved in this squabble, and if I'd given in on that, let me just say one point here, if I had given in on that, which I probably should have, I probably wouldn't have had the intellectual stamina to go all the way through and reform the whole MA process.
0: Well, it just so happens that on <laughs> another line here, we happen to have Carrie Ictor, a prominent attorney in Atlanta. Uh, Mr. Ictor... How's Cliff doing? Did he do a good job of uh, explaining the background of your dis- original dispute with him? Uh, there are a couple of points I
1: would refine. It's your turn. <laughs> Go for it. My recollection is is that I was representing on the hourly rate basis. I was uh, representing Cliff in some ongoing litigation having to do with uh, a business he had been involved in that was in the audiovisual space and uh and we got that thing resolved for him through mediation and we we did have a contract um, and Cliff was right. We were talking more broadly about um, doing some things that did not involve hourly rate. As a matter of fact, our, I think our concept was even broader than the M&A space. We were talking about members of the Oxford Center having access to subject matter experts on a whole variety of topics. And the idea was that we would go out and get subject matter experts who would become part of this program. To have access to the membership, and at the same time, members who wanted to do sort of a prepaid system for having access to subject matter experts would would pay a small monthly fee and would be able to just call up a subject matter expert to get some guidance uh, whenever they felt like they had an issue. So that's the idea. Uh, that sort we of were a subscription
0: of model for uh, legal services.
1: Right, right. But the idea was have law firms pay to become members of uh, this uh, this system so that and, – and be a separate uh, profit center for the system um, so that they would then have access to this whole body of entrepreneurs. So anyways, we are kicking that around and – at that point in time, I got involved in do, the do, litigation.
2: Let, let, let me just make one point, Claire. Here is Kerry and I uh, back to debaters again. He, mm-hmm. what he said is correct, but there's just one thing. The, the, it wasn't litigation against me. I was part of an investor group. It wasn't one of my companies. I was, Kerry, if you remember, I was part of an investor group, and the stock price went down, and it was one of those where well, they sue everybody, mm-hmm. and we were in part of the investor group, and you know the big thing we were saying at the time is that. I had nothing to do with the company. So that was the – and and I was looking at Kerry on the mediation legal strategy. So it's all under the – he is correct. It's under that umbrella. I just want to make that clear. This wasn't like litigation against the Oxford Center. This was no. an investor group where I was a totally passive investor. The stock price went down, and they sue everybody. Okay? just So just want to get that clear.
1: Right. The, the Oxford Center definitely was not a party to that litigation.
0: That's right. So yeah. – so K- Kerry, continue. You uh, you were so just...
1: uh, so we did have an engagement letter which uh, set forth the terms of our engagement. It's our contract. Uh, I knew that Cliff had a lot of balls in the air, and so it probably would have been a better idea for me to sit down and review the the engagement letter with him to make sure that we had a common understanding of what it said. Um, And then we proceeded to handle the litigation and file motions and essentially uh, back the other side into a mediation that ultimately resolved the case. And it resolved for substantially less money than what the plaintiff was looking for. So we felt like we had been successful, and generally speaking, when you feel as though you've had a successful engagement, um, you're looking for the other side, your client, to, to pay. And we had a, a disagreement about how that should be calculated at that point in time. Yeah. And, uh, and we just didn't do a very good job of talking it through. And uh, I think that uh, if there's a lesson to be learned, uh, it is that it is better to negotiate than to litigate uh, because litigation, uh, and I, I say this from the perspective of the litigation lawyer, I see this all the time. Litigation is an incredibly wasteful, frustrating um, process. It's slow, it's expensive, and it drives people crazy.
0: And you certainly don't want to do it against someone who's been a client.
1: You don't want to do it against someone who's been a client, and the client, I would suggest, surely shouldn't want to do it against the (laughs) lawyer.
2: Yeah. What Kerry says is correct. Just one point of – and this is why this is really bizarre – uh, you know, John Yates, a very popular attorney, represented me for nine years, sold my company. I've done more deals with lawyers than anybody in the world, and part of it, uh, you know, usually on the positive side of business. And and this was the only dispute uh, that I've ever had with an attorney. And, in in, in, you know, I've called up b- attorneys before and said, hey, you know, you've overcharged me here. And we, we've worked it out on the phone usually in 15 seconds. Now, having said that, um, I, I'm not trying to diminish Kerry here because everything he said about the contract is absolutely true. It's just that uh, I'm not a guy who doesn't pay his legal bills. I paid more legal bills than anybody <laughs> has and, uh, and actually pay them early. This was a, a bigger picture dispute. Now, to kind of get out of the weeds here was um, – I was – we were hoping to do this This whole pre-legal uh, insurance, if you want to call it that. And if we're doing – we're discussing all of this, I was – and I could – you know, there's enough blame to go around here, and I'm certainly willing to carry – you know, for other entrepreneurs to learn. Um, you know, if I would have read that contract as closely as I should, I would have called Kerry, and we probably would have resolved it because we had a good relationship at the time. So probably – if you want to put – the big big x on somebody it'd probably be me because i could have read the contract not assumed that it will do that and i know entrepreneurs get beat up for that a lot but while that didn't work out that great at the pace we go i'm not going to tell entrepreneurs change your whole your whole work style to catch one exception in
0: 25 years either but read but should we read the contract yes my name is Lauren Feldman. My guests are Cliff Oxford and Carrie Ichter, who uh, remarkably are here uh, speaking as friends after having survived uh, litigation with each other. Uh, they've both been generous enough to walk through how this happened, uh, the mistakes they made. And in a moment we're going to talk about how they kind of put it back together and how they resolved this. But let's take a phone call. Uh, we got Barry in Atlanta. Welcome to mind your business,
3: Barry. Hi. Thank you. Uh, Quick question. I just wanted to know, are there any public options or publicly supported options for uh, franchisees? I mean, small business, as you said, you know, these legal things can get pretty complicated and very expensive. So, you know, sometimes you're putting good money after bad, trying to recover something that, you know, at the end of the day, a lawyer is going to take most of it. So, I mean, um, are there any... um, cost-effective options out there for small businesses to go after breach of contract type of stuff, you know, that is, that, you know, lawyers don't want to do on a contingency basis.
0: Wait, are you asking if there's a public organization that will help fund your litigation or, or am I misunderstanding? Resolve it. Or are no, you,
3: no, I'm, I'm saying like either public or private actually, you know, or, or a government organization or non-government organization, that helps uh, or supports small businesses in going after breach of contract type of, uh, uh, you know, matters, you know, where, you know, you have, like, for example, AAA, mediation, then arbitration, and then litigation, you know, it can get, if when we're talking about small money, twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 and you're, you know, you're having to go and, and do something like this, it can cost you a lot of money, and then you're only trying to recover half of it, you know, just to can kind I of mediate. At this?
0: Yes, please, carry.
1: Um, If you're a franchisee, then you have purchased a franchise that uh, is regulated by what is known as the Federal um, uh, – or the Franchise Act uh, that's enforced by the Federal Trade Commission. And uh, there are regulations that have to do with the disclosures in connection with the sale of franchises. It's called a franchise disclosure document. Um, your franchise disclosure document should include in it some information about the FTC, how you communicate with them, and how you uh, would submit a complaint to the FTC uh, in the event that there's been some violation of the Act and the disclosures that are required by the Act. If you have a breach of contract, if they have violated your franchise agreement, that's different. And you have a private claim that you can make but a violation of the FTC Act, uh, it does not have a private right of action and you cannot file a lawsuit based upon a violation of the FTC Act. you have to file a claim with the FTC.
0: Kerry, what if it's not uh, a franchise situation? It's uh, a, a small business that doesn't have the money uh, to, to fund litigation. I think that was also part of Barry's question. Do you have any advice for how small businesses can handle that situation?
1: Well, finding somebody out there who is um, probably young and hungry and will do things on a contingent fee, but hopefully will still be – focused and committed to the client. And, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur and you're building a business, a lot of lawyers out there are entrepreneurial as well, and they may be interested in partnering with you um, in representation. Um, sometimes you could, maybe crazy, but share equity. In, in an enterprise with a lawyer so that all your legal needs get handled. Some entrepreneurial business, uh, lawyers will do that sort of thing. Um, there are contingent fee arrangements, and, and a lot of lawyers, uh, if they you know, share the dream with you and believe that you're going to succeed, they will give you deeply discounted rates so that they can handle all of your uh, legal issues going forward. Um, and if you're going to be a growing business, you probably have a bunch of them.
0: Barry, is that helpful?
3: Yeah, very helpful. I just, uh, one thing, are there any uh, particular organizations or keyword searches for Google you can recommend to find these type of organizations that are kind of entrepreneurial in nature and, and might be able to partner up? I've been looking through, you know, different like um, Google and uh, Yelp and, you know, whatnot and, and, you know, find a lawyer type of sites, but, you know, it's a lot of these are just marketing things, right?
1: Well, i tell you what. Run a Google search for my name. Give me a call, and uh, I'll I'll spend some time talking to you about it, Barry. His name I'll is Carrie Icter,
0: and he's with Icter Davis. Uh, Barry, thank you very much for your phone call. Uh, we appreciate it. If you have a question about uh, your business or about a situation that you've been involved in, please give us a call. We're at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight. Six six, uh, Carrie. Back to your dispute with Cliff. How, how did you guys put things together? What? How did you take a step well, back?
1: I think I think that one of the reasons, and, and Cliff is absolutely right about uh, about one thing in particular, and that is if you're entrepreneurial, and he and I are both entrepreneurial, you both approach your business with passion. Um, if you're entrepreneurial there's gonna be a bit of you that is driven by ego and you and you don't believe in losing and uh... if you've won the fight on behalf of your client uh... you think that you ought to be rewarded it's hard to walk away from that and then the other aspect of it that was difficult for me and it was probably difficult for cliff and it sounds like it was is that we regarded each other as being friends and so to a certain extent I'm sure that we both felt some sense of betrayal uh, as a consequence of winding up in in disagreement. So
2: probably eighty percent most... of it was that. You know what? Yeah. Probably eighty yeah. percent of it was just if you'd have been Joe Blow attorney, that's a whole different matter. But Kerry was a friend, and a lot of a lot of the same background.
1: hmm True. And uh, and I think that what happened was this took a lot of time uh, to to uh, come to a conclusion. And I think that uh, with time, we got perspective, uh, tempers cooled, and (laughs) – It took a lot of time, so we even found ourselves at the end of the day to be a bit more mature.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just, just the passing of time resulted. Exactly. I mean,
1: there's there's some anger that you just grow out of, you know. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) I, I I think that we just grew out of the anger. And uh, and grew into some perspective and yeah. came to the conclusion that this is crazy. We're wasting our time on this. Let's just find a way to bring this to a conclusion. No, Nobody yeah. is benefiting from being angry at each other. You, you know, uh, when, when when I uh, made
2: the transaction with Advantage Media for his books uh, just, just April the 6th. Um, we'll talk more about that later. Okay. <laughs> but I look back. You know, after you finally get the deal done and it's closed, 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 I look back and it was probably the stupidest thing I did uh, building the Oxford Center. It was probably the stupidest thing.
0: You're, you're talking about your your dispute with, with Carrie was the yeah, stupidest thing. It was thing. the
2: stupidest thing I did at the Oxford Center. Uh, and I look back at it and said, you know what, since it was the stupidest thing, uh, I probably uh, – you know, should be the one to, you know, to to and carry it already reached out. In fact, so that was one of the things for me personally. It was reflecting back and said, this is the stupidest thing. So let's go try to make the stupidest thing right. And that's that's very entrepreneurial.
0: Also, you know, So we only have a moment before we have to take a break. Uh, what advice do each of you have? For people who are caught up in the moment, caught up in the passion and the ego and the anger, what what can they do other than waiting for maturity to set in?
1: <laughs> uh, I would say um, get a third party involved, and, and, and not a not a litigation lawyer. Um, get somebody who's a professional mediator to help you. You know, you don't have to be in litigation to mediate. Um, That's a great point. Go find somebody who can act as a go-between and can offer perspective and maybe get past your emotion and and talk you down from the heights of anger and get you grounded and say, look, do you really want to do this? And uh, and if they ask you that question uh, and get you to really think deeply about it, you'll probably come to the right answer.
0: Cliff, thoughts?
2: Um, you know, by the way, we, the Oxford Center had some of this where we would hear two entrepreneurs in dispute and not on a legal basis, just, but whoever you (laughs) went with, the other one was uh, inevitably mad. Uh, So we we got out of that quickly. But,
0: um, you know, I think, um. But it's, you were teaching other people to do it, but you still allowed yourself uh, I, I, to fall uh, into the trap. Uh, maybe. How can other people stay out of that trap? One piece of advice. Turn it, you know, I tell you how
2: entrepreneurs can do it. If you tell entrepreneurs, hey, just try to get grounded, it's hard for them to do that. But I would challenge them to look at this and say, how do we turn this disagreement into a deal? How do we make hay out of this a disagreement? And look at it from that perspective. And entrepreneurs are much better at doing that than trying to say, I give. Um, And uh, seriously, I mean, Kerry and I had a very serious idea with this legal subscription. As you can tell, he's very entrepreneurial. He got it. That could have been a $100 million company we wasted if we'd have moved in that direction. So look at it and say, how can we turn this into a win-win-win? And entrepreneurs do that by making a deal.
0: Carrie Ictor of Ictor Davis in Atlanta. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Really appreciate it. We have to take a break now, but I'll be back uh, with more from Cliff Oxford. We'll talk a little bit about... Uh, the, Kind of the, what led to this whole discussion, the idea of buying and selling businesses, something he's done himself, something he's helped uh, a lot of other businesses do. If you have a question, we're at one warden That's 1-844-942-7866. Our producer, Dana Cash, is standing by. You don't have to wait. Call now. Uh, you're listening to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman, and this is business radio powered by the Warden School on Sirius XM 111.
1: You're listening to Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Here again is Lauren Feldman.
0: Welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm here with Cliff Oxford of the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs, and we're taking your calls. The Oxford Center is a support group for fast growth entrepreneurs that's based in Atlanta but draws its members from around the country. If you want to check it out, go to oxfordcenter.com. If you have a question or an opinion, or an experience to share, our number is one wharton That's 1-844-942-7866. Uh, Cliff, I want to talk a little bit about buying and selling businesses. It's a, it's a really important issue these days. There are a lot of businesses for sale. A lot of baby boomers are reaching the point where they got to do something uh, with their business. You've been through this a lot. You started an IT company years ago that was on the Inc. 500. You sold it. Um, you then started the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs, and one of your specialties there has been helping other businesses uh, get sold. Uh, and recently, you sold uh, at least most of your uh, ownership of the Oxford Center. So you, you really have a lot of experience here. Let's start with the uh, with the IT business. Um, were there anything, you know, that was the first time you went through it. Did you make mistakes? Did you learn anything from that process? I learned the whole process is got the playing field tilted
2: against the entrepreneur. That's what I learned. I said, this is a joke about halfway
0: through it, you know. And um, what, what indicated that to you? How did you figure that you know, out?
2: The, you could kind of see here, are, uh, you know, and there's the, the, the investment banking club, the lawyer club, the accounting club. They're all kind of in this thing together. And many of them were getting paid by the hour. And they extend the time. And time works against the entrepreneur. The longer it goes on, the less money you're going to get. I guarantee you. And that that's kind of built into the system, so you know there's no urgency until in, in that deal. I finally said we had 89 outstanding issues after six months, and I finally said, "Look, we're all it, gonna... when you
0: 89 outstanding issues, meaning you you sort of had the workings of a deal, but there were 80 issues, 89 it, issues that had to be resolved, resolved before the deal could get, get through. done. Right? And and well, that's after six, six months. months,
2: and I finally said, "Look." Uh, and I remember you talking about getting some lawyers mad. I said, "Look, we're all going to get on the phone, and we're going to go through each issue, and Satish and I are going to solve them." Oh, you can't do that. That's that's you can't do that. I said, "Well," and and, and, and fortu- fortunately, one of the buyers, Satish, thought it was a great idea because they went to Satish and said, "Oh, y'all can't do this." So st- we literally got on the phone at seven a.m. and. Started going down one by one, and we finished around 2 p.m. that day. And every lawyer was on the phone. And it was before we go to the next one, we're going to resolve this issue. And uh, one of the things about everybody knows about Satish, uh, a very well-known international businessman, he had profanity. He's the person you were selling the business to? He was one of the buyers, him and Melon Ventures. And Satish had serious profanity. And, you know, we were not prudes or anything, but we just never did that in our office. We just never. But that day there was a lot of it going on in the office because we were sitting there, you know, screaming at each other. But we got through it. And I went at 2, like 2 o'clock, everybody was worn out. 2 o'clock in the morning? No, it was 2 o'clock today. day. It was, went from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I think we had two or three issues left. That is not built – that sense of urgency is not built into it, which goes against the entrepreneur. So, you know, when I sold – when I finally sold, I went to Emory, and one of the things I wanted to do, and that's where Oxford Center launched, was let's come up with a new way of how entrepreneurs can exit. Let's cut the time down and get the price up. And that was about a five-year process, and that was all during this time, what we just discussed with Kerry, and it was uh, a brutal march to get it to where, you know, now, uh, LOI. We put thirty um, day term. Sh- uh, we don't get an LOI in thirty days. What's an LOI? Letter, letter of, intent, of intent. Which is the first word? No, the second word is non-binding. So if it's non-binding, let's not negotiate six months on a non-binding letter of intent. It's then what good is it? Stupid from an entrepreneurial view. What's the point of an LOI then? It's it, it gives a it gives everybody at least an agreed upon frame of the deal that they can back out later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when, when you talk about the time being the enemy of the entrepreneur, you know, with, with all of this, the other reason it, the time's the the enemy of the entrepreneur is it can be a lot of time where you're not really paying full attention to your business. Oh, was that something that happened to you in your situation?
2: Oh yeah, I mean we 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 during that deal, um, and during this just this past deal, now where with, uh, you know you work it was like working on the deal all day long, and then comes six o'clock and it's working in the business from six o'clock to midnight, because you got still get the work still the work still got to get done, although I, I would say, we obviously with this deal we just did, uh, with Adam. Uh, it was a much shorter deal than my first deal because we employed a lot of the techniques that we have come up with over the years helping entrepreneurs sell. Um, so what are those we te- cut out a lot of – Tell us know, those techniques. What, you know, in fact, you know, uh, we had a great – by the way, we had a – speaking of a great law firm, Taylor English, which just won one of the Forbes 25, Small Giants. Forbes Small Giants? Forbes Small Giants. Y- you
0: slipped that in there very 20- smoothly, Cliff. I like that.
2: <laughs> you like that. They're, they're, uh, and – but – so set that aside. They're, you know, they're, they're a great law firm, but there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo in deals. Now, this is the guy who just gotten – you know, who didn't read the contract. So take that far as it's worth. But nevertheless, we, we've done many, many deals now with – let's put this in simple language. And let's not do one of these deals where you say something and then you go down the list. You go down the page and you just cancel out what you just said above. That happens a lot in M&A deals. And and then both lawyers, each lawyer starts trying to play a game of let's catch the other one. And then in, in in the meantime, the entrepreneur that's selling their company is, is kind of hung out the dry. Now, now let's face it. If you're a billion-dollar company, this doesn't really move the, move the needle very well. There's much. a
0: whole industry there to help you. But there's a hole in the market, right, there's a, there's for the kinds of companies that you're talking under about.
2: Under $100 million – if you go through the usual process, and you know, I was over at SunTrust a few weeks ago, and they went through their process with their lawyers and blah, blah, how to exit, and they asked me, said, what do you think? And I go, "You know, this is the most bureaucratic process. It's old, it's traditional, and it's totally inappropriate for companies under $100 million um, because, uh, and, and by the way, the entrepreneur pays that bill. You know, usually if you sell on a corporation, who knows who pays the bill. But if you're selling your company for 25 million and you get a big legal bill, that comes right out of your back pocket. Not to mention and a bigger thing than the legal bill is the more extended it is, the less money you're going to get. The lawyer, I mean the entrepreneur never makes more money because it took longer time
0: to do the deal. You're listening to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. My guest is Cliff Oxford of the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs in Atlanta. If you have thoughts or experiences with selling a business, hiring lawyers, resolving conflicts, call us at 1 844 Wharton. That's 1 844 942 7866. So, what, what's your advice, Cliff? for one of those businesses under $100 million, especially well under $100 million, who wants to avoid getting ground up in the process that's really designed for larger companies. What do you do? Well, just like there are entrepreneurial
2: lawyers, um, there are entrepreneurial uh, exit strategists slash investment bankers. I met, um, so I don't, you know. How do you find one? We would love to help people with that. The Oxford Center. We... I think it's one of our best products. Uh, So not to slip another one in, I will tell you, uh, I met one this week uh, out of Boston, Harvard graduate, and just got totally fed up with how investment bankers treat entrepreneurs. He was in a big investment bank and went and started his own company, Um, Rod, R-O-D, out of Boston. Uh, I can't think of his last name at the moment. I will get back to you with, on that. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. But uh, you, can,
0: you can contact Cliff at theOxfordCenter if you want to find out what Rod's last name Rod's is. Rod's
2: last name. I know he's out of Boston and, and uh, very sophisticated, but simple. And uh, so,
0: you're, so you're saying there are people out they're, there? They're,
2: I think yeah, that's, that's a fair thing. I think there. You just wanted to make sure they don't use the same investment banking template on you that they do on every company that comes by so that that's 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 the big thing
0: let's take a caller we've got uh michael from atlanta uh, well no we don't michael left us uh we do have michael <laughs> it turns out we do have michael michael from atlanta welcome to mind your business do you have a question uh, about selling a business
4: lauren cliff hello yes enjoyed the show um we we we're in an interesting position at vpn. dot com. We get uh, many what's vpn. dot com. Tell us what the business is. We we help people find businesses and and consumers find the VPN that's right for them. So very quickly, we're the hotels. dot com of internet security software, specifically VPNs. Uh, and we get a lot of inbound inquiries uh, from providers in the space, large conglomerates wanting to buy us largely because of our name and just listening to you and Cliff talk about you know how you allocate time when a potential offer comes through. how do you gauge uh, quickly the seriousness of, of these offers and, and whether or not you give you give them the time of day? Um, you know if a company's in, in a great position in a great market, I, I think more than one party is going to be interested in being able to quickly navigate, Uh, And the sniff test of those is something that would would really be helpful from an insight standpoint. So, Cliff or Lauren, if you guys have anything to share on that front, that would certainly be helpful.
0: Uh, I would share this. That's a really nice problem to have, Uh, lots of people wanting to buy your business. I should say uh, Michael is a member of the Oxford Center. Uh, Cliff, uh, what do you think? Any advice for Michael? Because he's got a lot of people out there saying, and how do you filter through it? Yeah. You know, that's a great – yeah, you, it's basically an auction. Because, again, it's the same issue. It's, it's, you can take your eye off the ball and, you know, lose track of how you're running the business if you pay too much attention to it. How do you – if you know, it, it sounds like Michael's not sure whether he wants to sell the company or not, but how do you, if, how do you sift through uh, and figure out who's serious and who's playing around? One way
2: to do it is and, – and we do this at the Oxford Center with potential buyers – we want something, some something in. Uh, send us a letter expressing your interest. It could be non-binding. Just want them. To, what you want to do? They're asking you for something. Basically, we we we're interested in buying the business. Let us see this. So to see if they're interested is simply ask them for something, such as. Um, let's see a lot le- The the the. Tell us why you uh, why you would want to buy the business. Send us a letter about why this would make sense for your business. Are you going to double profits in three years? But just literally asking them to do one thing a lot of times the tire kickers and everything that's they they'll just, melt away. They they melt away. Yes, thank you. So uh, I would, and also um, an auction process. Get someone to set up. To help you with an auction process and let them make bids, say so put in put in a non-binding bid. You know, here are the top line numbers. Here, are, you know, a very brief. Uh, give us a non-binding bid. Uh, people are very uh, reluctant to send those.
0: Michael, is that helpful?
4: No, absolutely. It's interesting because, you know, from a number standpoint, Cliff, how quickly do you look to extract a, a number from the other side? I assume the sooner you get a number, the more serious they are. If they're just kicking the tires, they're going to play in vagueness for a bit. Is that generally yeah. what you see with, with companies that are uh, that are knocking on, on doors to acquire?
2: Yes. Uh, and, you know, I had one a couple of weeks ago call me, and uh, and this was a very active deal. And he says, look, I don't want to send you something – on email, which, but I, but here, here's where we are, and he gave me a very serious number, and he said, this is what we're looking, this is the range we're looking at. So, and, and, it, and it told me it was a serious buyer. And this was the CEO calling. This wasn't some, you know, VP of business development. This was the CEO and said, look, I am serious about pursuing this company. This is the range. We would like to go a little further. And I had to call the entrepreneur and say, you know what? let's take the brakes off. Let's take the brakes off. I, this got, The CEO took the time to call me uh, and it turned out well. So, you know, we're not trying to be so hard line that we're going to, you know, run everybody off. But um, it, there was a lot of people who don't call
0: that just melt away. Michael, should we tell our listeners who might be interested in buying VPN.com to contact you?
4: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had a couple multi-billion-dollar corporations reach out in the last sixty days, and it's kind of, you know, shell shocked shell shocked me uh, a, a bit just in, in, you know, appreciating that companies of that magnitude are interested. But, you know, la- last question, um, Cliff, you mentioned CEO um, speaking to the CEO. Sometimes companies will reach out, and it'll be, you know, a business development officer or VP of M and A. Do you typically like to walk through um, that person and go, "Hey, you know, I appreciate this. Let me know a time the CEO uh, could speak." Do you like to get to that decision maker as quickly as possible, or do you typically play, you know, and the and the whoever reaches out to you and communicate that way?
2: We have a very specific methodology uh, when we go out and research active buyers in the market. And I'm giving away a little bit of my secret sauce here, but I'll do it for, the, for Lauren. Um, we send an overnight letter to the CEO of the company with a one-page letter that says, this is why you should buy this company. We see you're active in M&A. Here's a great buy, and here's why. And now I, I'll give you two names that we sent this to, Jeff Bezos and uh, Howard Schultz at Starbucks. No, they did not call me on the phone. But what they did was walk down the hall and give it to the CFO or the head of development and said, look, I'm interested in this company. Why don't you follow up these people? And they called me and said, and I I still got the email from Alice that says Jeff Bezos would love to answer all his emails. He's asked me to look into this. I'm not going to tell Alice, no, I'm not going to deal with Amazon unless I talk to Jeff Bezos. But the fact is, it went from his office downhill I am satisfied with that. But to start off, I will not deal with anybody at the company but
0: the CEO. Michael, thank you very much for your phone call. Best of luck with your business. Let's take another call from Jay in Tampa. Jay, welcome to Mind Your Business.
1: Thank you. Uh, My question is, when dealing with entrepreneurs and dealing with sales, uh, trying to do this, obviously, at a fast pace, Have you run into any situations where either an entrepreneur was discouraged because of the length of that sales process or entrepreneurs that after the sale was completed maybe uh, had some feelings of regret or maybe wishes that they hadn't sold?
0: I think I I can speak to the second one. That's a very common phenomenon. A lot of
2: 80%.
0: After one year? A lot of business owners just flat out ask the question if I sell my business, who am I? What am I? Um, I don't, you know, I'm not a business owner anymore. What's your experience, Cliff? It's a big, big, big question. Uh, You know, one of the
2: reasons it really drives me is that I knew 80% of entrepreneurs who sold were unhappy a year later. Uh, and that's an awful thing after building a, a company. And then and that, we,
0: that's irrespective of whether they got the price they wanted. It, that's right. Yeah.
2: That's not just price. That's They lost their identity. And um, we have strong talks. And I talk more people out of not selling than I do s- selling because – Wait a second.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I lost you there. You talk them out of selling or out of not selling? Out of not selling. So you convince them – Don't sell right now. Okay. Because, you know – The worst
2: thing you want to do is go to market and not get liquid because it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of money, and then it kind of is a letdown for everybody. Um, I saw a serious $60 million company that was getting bought by Yahoo. Yahoo changed on them. In fact, Melissa Meyer changed her mind at the last minute. It didn't go through. That company was out of business in 13 months.
0: Well, that kind of addresses Jay's first question, which is what happens when the the process just drags on? Is there anything? It's just – I tell you, it's just poison.
2: It's just deadly. And you know what you have to do is you have to – an entrepreneur has to at some point walk away from the table. And say, look, I am done.
0: Well, that, that's a standard, you know, principle of negotiations. If you if you want to get if you want to win the negotiations, you have to be willing to walk away.
2: You got to be willing to walk away, and you have got to be willing to walk away over time. That we're not going to do this. Now, what's better is have that understanding up front that this is the kind of time frame we're looking at, and you know we're going to go thirty days on getting LOI, or the deal's off. Uh, I'm very annoying when I do that to deals. It's very annoying. They they really But well, – Let's hear what Jay says. Jay, is is that
1: advice <laughs> helpful?
3: Yeah.
0: Are you willing I, to be I'm annoying?
3: No, uh, um, yeah, that's
1: kind of how I make my living. <laughs> what, what do you do? Um, actually, I work for a uh, dental company, and then I uh, started my own business as well.
0: Where you have to be annoying?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, both of them. <laughs>
0: Jay thank you very much for your phone call we appreciate it uh Cliff we only have a couple minutes left Tell us quickly you just sold a business are you part of that 80% know <laughs> I'm very happy and so why did you sell um quickly you know here's the, here's the reason I think the company could really benefit with a larger platform, the 5,000. You sold to Advantage Media, a marketing organization based in Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. They actually have a relationship with Forbes magazine. Right. They right, uh, right. publish Forbes books. But yes. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And they, um, the reason I, I sold is to build up uh, a company like I did the first time takes an enormous amount of energy. And you know what? And you've got to build the infrastructure, the leadership team, and all of that. And, uh, you know, I mean, just being honest with you, I, I have a lot of energy. I love what I do. Do I have that energy seven days a week? Uh, no. No, I don't. And, you know, I know people talk about, well, if you delegate, ah, baloney. To build these businesses, <laughs> the owner, the entrepreneur has got to be there driving things. You are a driver. And, you know, it's, and I'll end it by this way right here. Your friend, Kerry Smith at Big Ass Fans. Who sold his company for $500 million, million in December. December. Yep. You know, Kerry is absolutely right, and he and I discussed this, was that when you're the entrepreneur and you're, cha- you're disrupting the market, and Oxford Center was disrupting what the market. There was no reason for us to be there other than we wanted to disrupt it and help entrepreneurs. But when you're disrupting the market every day, Lauren you had to put on your armor and go to war.
0: And, and it is war. You were ready to back off from the war. <laughs> ready to back. but you kept a hand in it, right? You're yeah, still yeah, involved. Yeah,
2: I'm still involved and I, I, I and I'm very proud to say since we did that transaction, I have never worked harder. I I'm, I'm spending more time with members, so
0: it's it's been a win-win-win. Cliff Oxford, thank you so much for joining us here in the studio once again. If you want to learn more about Cliff, go to oxfordcenter.com. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but we're here live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, Thanks to our audio engineer, Dion Simpkins, and our producer, Dana Cash. You can find me on Twitter, at L Feldman. Uh, This has been Mind Your Business on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.